this edition of Radio Lost and Found has been brought to you by the people at the Aquifer <laughs> or something. Wait a minute, it's Aquifer. Aquifer is something else completely. Totally. That's underground water, right? Right. You keep your salve in the refrigerator, right? No, there's Aqua 5 and 6, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Let's get on with it. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah, there's important things to talk about. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think our listeners would go for this. So, um, we could talk about the new album. Maybe both the new albums. Which I know very little about. Oh, but you're on them. You're all over them. <laughs> You're prominently on them. John, do you have any idea how Lori Anderson knows of our new record and enough to program it into her current Solstice playlist? What? No. No idea. No, I, I clicked on that. Uh, Lori Anderson was j doing a fundraiser for her favorite uh, uh, Manhattan Tibetan Buddhist retreat. And uh, she uh, uh, uploaded like a midnight playlist of her live in a room, DJing tracks and talking over them with that voice. Oh my she gosh! Tracks off the new record, and my my uh, my heart went pitter pat. Oh yeah, I clicked I on it like just because it was Laurie Anderson, and you know, and uh, and yeah. there you were. It sounds like it's a different way. It's like when Don was watching the uh, Don Joyce of Negative Land when he was watching the MTV Music Video Awards, and and when they were going to announce the winner of that year's Best Music Video, you heard a voice come on over over his TV saying, "Special Designer's Song follows in five, four, three, two, one." And MTV yeah, yeah. Music Video Awards were sampling from Negative Land, and that year, this was before we made the U2 single, but that year. Don ha well, he happened to be recording, and it happened to be that the nom one of the nominees was that U2 song that we eventually ended up Oh, my God. With, with yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I just don't see how... Uh, Laurie Anderson played two tracks from The World Would Decide. Uh, I think, why are we eating? Why are, why are we... <laughs> why are we eating? Why are we... <laughs> are you all right? Down. <laughs> why, why are we waiting and... Uh, uh, and what is it? What's the other one? My why brother. are we eating is perfect. It is. It's like a good COVID era, you know, why are we eating? What are we eating? Yeah, what are we who are we eating? Yeah. Eventually. But those anyway, two tracks are my new record and and it sure they sure don't sound like meditative tracks to me. But those those tracks I I was thinking about it this morning and thinking I could see why why in terms of the themes that those tracks are exploring why that would interest her that kind of oh they were very her they were very yeah. her and the other thing is uh we have our friend nava dunkelman playing tibetan chimes throughout that track and um throughout the rest of the mix like she's frequently going on mic and talking over the music and like just sort of reflecting on them and then some tracks she's just leaning over and hitting a tibetan prayer chime prayer bell and that track, the one that she played, is filled with Nava playing Tibetan bells. Well, that's what did it. And so I, I think I, that's why, that's my suspicion as to why she used that track. Yeah. It sort of totally fit the mix. This Is Not Normal, has, I feel like, is the soundtrack for 2020. And I've, I've told that to other people, mm -hmm. and they agree that it's, it is, like, it runs through our heads as we're seeing these incomprehensible things in COVID Trump era America. Well, you kind of nailed the zeitgeist on that one there. These incomprehensible problems. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, I wished if we were if we were out. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, when you when you make when you make these records and throw them out there into the world, you just you never know how people will respond to them. You never know what things they pick up on, and sometimes they pick up on the things you you would guess they would, and other times it surprises you. And that track has surprised me personally, and I and I think that. If we'd been touring this year, which obviously we had to cancel all of it, but I think that's a track we want. We would have been trying to figure out how to do that one live in some way. I don't, right? John, didn't we talk about that a little? Maybe, maybe. So I mean, you that would was the only track to... on the record I could listen to after we finished it for a while. You know how you normally just can't even bear bear the sound of something by the time you're finally done editing it. But uh, but that that track. That was just like, you know, my love letter to all of my friends who had reproduced, uh, like, not necessarily the love letter to my friends who had reproduced, but my friends who had, my, it was the love letter to my friends' kids, like the kids who were just sort of like finding themselves alive. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they just submitted all of those uh, tapes, usually recorded on iPhones over, uh, uh, and just like texted to me, and um that was that was that was normal you know it's a track about memory and how uh nothing seems normal once you're an adult but when you're a kid everything's normal yeah everything's normal and the older i get uh, the more i realize i can't trust my memory that works really good for me as a reassuring thing it's it's old people who basically are uh, completely tormented by the insides of their heads, telling them that uh, there's too much new information coming in. But you know the kids, they're and just the, dogs pretending to be kids who are dogs. That <laughs> tape, "Don't Trust Your Memory," is an old. That's an old Don Joyce over the edge tape, I believe. Isn't it? So no, don't ask me to do more than one thing at a time. Okay. It's as simple as that. <laughs> is it or is it or is it not? Is it newer? That tape? It's, it's I, I, uh, I think I found that one, but it's, okay. it's, it might as well be over the edge. Like, I mean, I've been playing it on over the edge since the nineties. Yeah. Okay. That one, boy, that one just has a, a quality to it that just to me has a sort of a Don, that has a very Don Joyce kind of vibe to that tape. That's for yes. Sure. Well, yeah. You know, we all own it, but, uh, so Toby, you're like a regular part of this show or uh back a long time ago i was um back in the mid 80s i would say um probably kind of started fading out towards the late 80s Um, well no no i mean i uh, over the edge yes i think we met once i i I think like we we were on a show once together like it was just you i think rob hadn't shown up and like you know i just got roped in so i i i think i remember meeting you once like late 80s Later yeah, on. Mr. Chemistry Homework. I didn't oh, know you, you were... say that. <laughs> that... David, okay. just, David, do you so do you remember that Toby and and uh, uh, Rob and Arn were all the group King's House, and they were one of the regulars yeah, I on over I didn't years? know that Toby was part of it. I probably knew yeah. it and didn't realize it. I had no idea. Yeah, but no, yeah, I was... that's all good. And we uh, we would be on I can't remember but it was once a month basically and I, yeah I, I, I remember like you guys towards, we were towards the end of the month and uh, and we were about four different people and some of us would would show up some of us wouldn't and uh, so know, were you living in the Bay Area or did I you... totally was yeah I was living oh, okay in the Bay Area. so you all went into the studio 
Yeah, we totally we went to the old studio on Shattuck. We, yeah, uh, I I love there. that studio. That was that's certainly better than the new one. I think it just yeah, never, had a lot of charm. To, yeah, I never went to the new one, and the old one is it kind of reminds me of the radio station we have here in Portland. Only we're on the ground floor, but it was kind of a labyrinthine. Uh, you know, lots of different rooms and hallways and so on. And uh, I was working usually at night parking cars in North Beach in San Francisco. And I'd get off work and jump in my car and drive across the Bay Bridge. Make well, it have you time. have you and Rob and Arn all been uh, digging through what what have we've managed to get up on the Internet Archives that has your work in it? Um, uh, I have a little bit. I'm, I'm not a very computery person so I find that when I get onto a computer things start to go south on me and I and so I I, I did though just in preparation for the show we're doing and um, so I dug around a little bit and what I also need to do is go back into boxes and find old cassettes that I have uh, that I you know air checks that we did when we were on so well if you I should say yeah if you've got any air checks of shows that we don't have up that uh, Tim Maloney who's sort of part of the extended Negative Land family would be very into getting them from you, and he'll transfer them, and we'll get them on there, and you don't wouldn't have to worry about it. And he'd send you, you know, he's he he's very responsible. He'd get you the your cassettes back, but yeah. it'd be we we're tr we totally want it to be as complete as we, we can ever we can get it. Yeah, so and I think I'll bug I could you help. about I'll bug you about it in the future. Yeah, I could help a little bit. It's just a matter of digging through boxes, and then yeah. in terms of the other guys, I don't know about Arn. He he lives in Idaho, and uh, Brooke was not a big uh, participant as a you know as you know in terms of over the edge but he I don't know what he's got and then our friend Rob is out there in the wind somewhere and I don't know where he is and yeah. so and and his his he would he was the pack rat of of the three of us or four of us and I don't know where his stuff is and if he has it anymore or not so and and for our listeners at home we should explain <laughs> that negative land and don and don Joyce of negative land were were created this uh um, radio show called Over the Edge that started in 1981, a live mix collage radio show that has been on, it is on to this day, and that various groups were part, there was all kinds of different uh, iterations of people coming in and out of there, Negative Land officially, Negative Land semi-officially, and then there was a group called Fake Stone Age, Toby was part of a group called King's House, uh, yeah, and other other people came up there, and so we've we've managed to put thousands of hours of these uh, shows up on the Internet Archive under if you look up over the edge, and so that's what I'm asking uh, Toby about is how much he's listened to all that because some because their stuff is up, definitely your shows are up there. Yeah, and I I, I need to dig into it a little more, but uh, yeah, for the for the listeners out there, yeah, it was a. Uh... You know, uh, for us, for our, my particular group of friends, we would show up once a month, and we always had a theme. And was every over the edge a theme related yeah. kind of thing? It was more wasn't it? more ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah. I'd yeah, say. and so we by, by eighty two, eighty three. Like the first couple of years were just a free for all. I liked okay. the episode that Don did right immediately after the house fire, and he didn't have anything, and he was literally like asking um listeners to tell them what to play that one's in the, on the archives uh if you if for listeners out there if you haven't figured it out we're talking with uh mark the weatherman and wobbly john lightecker of negative land hello hi and dr zom who's part of king's house so um, listeners at home 
your host just described to you what you're listening to and who we are. It's very meta. How many times have you said your listeners at home? Well, let's see. Um, saying that. And for your listeners at home, the weatherman is asking Mark how many times he's said for you. Well, we care listen- about our listeners from home. It just bugs me when things repeat that many times. I don't know. Just bugs you. <laughs> I do that too. I fixate on certain things. Like all the times I say, um. <laughs> oh, I don't think you've done it very much. I would have noticed that. So, yes. And uh, K-, K. Boo, as, as you may or may not know, David has been uh, wonderfully supportive of our work going way, way, way back. That's the first place I ever heard Negative Land. <laughs> In the probably in the very early '80s, I heard all these weird little snippets on late night shows, and it was probably years before I realized it was Negative Land. Also, you guys have uh, helped, I think, sponsor some of our performances or co-present them in Portland, and That's even correct. broadcast some of them on the on the uh, on the air. And the tour we had to cancel this year, I th- was going to we be were a, broadca- a live broadcast on. We were, yeah, I think That's we're going right. to do a final cast. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we love. Yeah, we love that. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll do it sometime in the future when things are a little more normal, whatever that was. We've been getting together and playing at home uh, and just trying to figure out. And it's in some ways, it's really close to Over the Edge because everybody's wearing headphones. Uh, you know, my memories of Over the Edge would frequently be like, you know, pretty dematerialized. I'd be in the other room from Don. And the entirety of the universe would be just like the stereo image in your phones right. and the table of stuff in front of you. Right. And it's but amazing. the difference is it's analog and there was no delay. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like uh, Zanakis or Stockhausen's concept of time modulation, like something that only recordings or electronic music can do. We're all stuck in time modulated uh mediation now with this streaming thing like um it's really weird trying to play any music at all when you realize that the relationship of events in time to each other is totally different for every participant like everybody's hearing different rhythms (laughs) so we're trying to get together something that actually isn't a lie <laughs> That's but this uh, is where it, it turns out that all of our decades of performing on the radio as john was describing and the fact that we are a quote-unquote experimental music group works kind of to our advantage you know in 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 that way and we we definitely decided that we would only have one person playing rhythmical things that in this case is john and uh and it took us the problem couple- with that is that the rhythm changes too due to the latency. It speeds up and slows down. And yeah, the, the algorithms are constantly like slowing down and speeding up to keep things in sync because <laughs> it's uh, less distracting to the human mind for someone to begin speaking really quickly and then to slow down in order to like sync. And there's the no pattern. Better. It's completely random at the whims of the internet. <laughs> but, yeah, but luckily we're experimental music. Yes, the thing <laughs> I is suppose that I heard heard this happening but i'm also used to john the, the way john can play some of the rhythmical backing tracks when we do live performances is that john does have ways to kind of glitch them out and manipulate them and time stretch and compress them and so i would hear it and i thought is that is that the the you know the the software we're using to, to play with each other or is that john just manipulating it because he felt like it and because our sets are, are there's so much improvisation and we all give each other the freedom to kind of 
to to do that to mess with things a lot i never i wasn't entirely sure until i'd ask him afterwards well the other fascinating thing that happens is that it's actually physically impossible to do some of the things that streaming makes you do when you're physically in the same room with each other like uh if you are playing to a regular beat that is coming to you 600 milliseconds late and you lock into that rhythm and you begin playing a pattern and you are perpetually 600, exactly 600 milliseconds behind, it sounds insane. It sounds totally great, you know? Like it is uh, something that would be physically impossible to play. If you were in the same room, your nervous system would entrain the other person's playing. It's actually totally impossible to hear a rhythm and be precisely like 1.2 seconds off. But if you think you're in tune, then you'll still be locked in and it's just, uh, very interesting and inhuman things happen when you use all this media to make music and yeah. you're just trying to make music yeah that's the difference between a phase shift and an echo well it's time modulation that's that's the cool thing well also it. what we're doing is we are working to i think we've done it now four times and we've had lots of technical problems we actually have switched to a different um type of software but we're also working with our live visual people sue c and and her husband kevin uh, doing who did the visuals when we toured Europe last year, and so we have her as part of it too. Where she's taking feeds from what we're doing, and, and she's actually doing all they're, together. They're doing their live visuals, and then there's cameras on them showing what they're doing as well as on John, David, and I. And we actually kind of got it working finally. Uh, we just didn't. We just weren't happy with the performance. But all this is towards we have an opportunity to. I'm not going to reveal it here yet, but we have an opportunity to have a a performance that we do and on a pretty high profile place and yeah. get and probably get more views than than we would get people coming to our an entire year's worth of our touring right yeah that'll <laughs> well, be exciting can't wait to hear so about that we'll see if they like it yeah. <laughs> yeah if they yes if they if they i also think we're going to be delivering them the weirdest thing they've ever broadcast on their on their series that they do ever so we'll see what happens oh great no wine and cheese for you this actually makes me think about what you were asking about earlier, which is that we do have, you know, this new record that we just put out, The World Will Decide, and what it's exploring on the record, sort of our, it's about our relationship with technology and, and you know, it's kind of investigating that, ruminating on that, playing with that, and looking at often, I think, of darker sides of it. But I know that, that, as the record was coming together, because it's part two of a, of a two album project with a lot, the first record was called True, or the first part was called True False, that came out a year ago. And I know that particularly John was, you know, just chomping at the bit, wanting this thing all to be out yesterday. And as we had all kinds of delays, and then of course the pandemic hit, and so the, the biggest, you know, de delay ever. But I remember thinking, I wonder if by the time this record comes out, things will have shifted in ways we cannot foresee and the record will resonate in yet another way that we also can't foresee. And I feel like that's what happened. Oh, totally. Okay, okay, okay. Now this is not normal. Okay, now. Right. <laughs> it, really, normal it really before. isn't. It's... Yeah. yeah. And to whatever degree it can, sort of in hindsight, it could feel sometimes when you're doing creative work, I think particularly you're doing stuff on the weirder, edgier side of in whatever medium you work in, you do things where sometimes in hindsight, it can almost seem like you had your antenna out a little further than your brain was, you know, and some you were sensing something 
the listeners at home can't see that I'm I'm putting my fingers up o over my head That's as right, if I have an antenna. A classic you did it again. gesture. <laughs> <laughs> listeners at home may notice that the weatherman is telling Mark that he did it again. So yeah, so I kind of know, particularly John was really stressed about all this, but I kind of I wonder if you feel like it, in the, in in the end it kind of came out at a at a at a very resonant moment. I like how the two albums are really interlocked with each other. <laughs> they just sound like two halves of a whole, which sounds like a really corny, critical kind of thing to say. But I just but then they and you're correct. They actually were created as one whole body of work. And then as they were as we were moving toward what to do with it, I you know I think John really very perceptively pointed out I you know introduced ideas on how they seem to organize into perhaps two different things, and that if uh, there was there, a way to put, to tie them together, there, there's all kinds of Easter eggs in the second record that call back to the first one. Tons of ways they interconnect sonically, but also of course with the graphics, we did a lot of stuff there that hopefully instantly communicates that oh, yeah. these things form. The, se the second one was ready to go last year, and there was talk about putting it out all at once as a two CD set. But then we made the crazy decision to, uh, you know, uh, Dan was coming up with the ideas about the packaging and ways to distinguish it. And it just seemed like uh, letting people take a breather, you know, oh, but I still I still I, I it would have been fun if this new one was uh, had actually been totally physically out before 2020. I, I still wonder if people would have been a little bit because I do think that people have been so completely crushed and exhausted this year. There's no room in people like pop music in 2020 has gone completely in the direction of escapism. And um, and that we are not. That's uh, right. Our record is not an escapist type thing. For no. Sure. Yeah, I think people might have had more headspace for this new record last year and been more in a position to deal with it and engage with it and right now the feeling i get is that this record is really only for those maniacs who are really really paying attention already <laughs> you know it's uh, more of a wallow kind of as opposed to a, an escape to listen to these records is a little bit like wallowing in current events as opposed to escaping from gotcha gotcha yes yeah, yeah. In some ways, it reminds me of what uh, Eno said about music for airports in that most music played in airports was meant to distract you from the possibility you could die. But when he composed that music, it was to sort of integrate that well, you could die into yeah. the music. It was a little more meditative and a little less escapist. Yeah, it's there's something fatalistic about that. Fatalistic and resigned. <laughs> right. It's not entirely getting your mind off things. It's more like acclimating you to that weird sort of uh, giving up of control. It's um, what they but, call uh, in a lot of recovery circles radical acceptance. Yes. And well, that Toby, like, tell. I, I'm curious. Like, do you have any other recollections or memories about uh, the very, very early episodes of Over the Edge? Like how King's House came together, or what the. Um, I mean, you know, how I did can you imagine Don. Yeah, how did you guys connect with Don and know it was there? And I don't ever remember. I don't. I probably I, remember. Wouldn't know this, but I've forgotten. I can totally tell you. And and basically, you were involved, Mark. Uh, my ah. friend, yeah, my friend Rob and I went to see you guys at the On Broadway, I believe it was, and uh, I don't remember what year, uh, but it would have been probably 82. 82. 
80 something like that 81 82? or two yeah yeah and i i can i have pretty strong memories of the show is but, that when we had the gigantic mr magoo statue behind us on stage i don't remember i do sort of remember something like a toaster that just like basically was burning toast non-stop for a while and that, that was, was later I was that, that later was later. Well, yeah it was later well so, that was, was i in that performance yeah, I, I can't he's remember. He would have been in this performance for sure. It probably would have even been. It could have been you, uh, me, Ian, and uh, Richard. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it could. Yeah, and and so I do remember coming up to you with Rob after the show, and we just started chatting and going, "That was an awesome show," so on and so forth. And you, you probably told us about the radio show. And at that point, we had been kind of dabbling in weird sound collagey sorts of things, and we, you know, you were very inspirational to us, uh, you guys, and. Uh, so we just thought, uh, you know, the world of negative language, it was really, it hit, hit us the right way. I mean, it was, you were, you know, very novel at that time and what you were doing. And it really appealed to us. And we, you know, we were chatting and then you said, well, you know, you can, you could probably join in on uh, Over the Edge if we, you know, we talked to Don and, and I can't remember exactly how it all shook out, but probably Rob took the lead and we, um, got ourselves a slot and and that's how we started doing it and i can't remember exactly what year that would have been but i'm thinking it's around 82 ish it's 80, like uh, the earliest one i can find i mean definitely the christmas show from 82 mm -hmm. and then there you have it we started showing up and it would be you know sometimes it'd be a bunch of us sometimes it'd be one of us and we would kind of like you were talking john a little bit ago about the feeling of being in the other room not even in the same room with don and, and then there is that whole thing of like, you're listening, you're cueing with your headphones because it was all very headphone, you know, focused and you're cueing with your headphones to find out the thing you want to play, you know, and we were, I was often, I would bring turntables and stuff like that. And then we would have other things like little samplers and noise making things and so on. And I'd get myself all queued up and then I'd basically, and then I'd have to listen to the actual air signal that was going out and, and either on a separate set of headphones or you jack your headphones out of your mixer and into the, the main, you know, the, the station's board. So, you know, or, you know, a, an output so that you could hear it as it was playing. And then Don is in there deciding when he wants to let whatever it is we've got going come out. Right. There's a lot of waiting. I remember that there was a lot of like, okay, this would be a really good time for him to put that in. And then, and then he didn't. And you're like, going, OK, well, maybe he'll do it again in a few minutes and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And so there was a lot of like back and forth. And then sometimes you'd like have to get up and go into the other room and say, hey, Don, I've got something really good here. If we can fit this in. Yep. You know, the next yep. There's a lot of that, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I have a I have a lot of memories of Don would turn everyone down in the side room, which was usually, you know, huge amount of the mix would be coming from maybe two or three or four people in the side room. He'd turn it all down because he had something he wanted to do, and then he would forget to turn it back up, and you'd have to <laughs> run back in there and go, Duh, you know, hey! Hey, what about, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember that, too. In fact, you got so worked up. Remember when you broke the glass, Mark? <laughs> you actually broke the glass between the studio and the little I mean, room. I was, was I tapping on it to get Don's attention? I think you were. I can't, but it, it, it broke. I yeah, guess so it was pretty fragile. You weren't hitting yeah. it that hard. It wasn't that double pane soundproof glass, I guess, or something. <laughs> yeah, that I believe you, but I don't remember that. <laughs> So those, anyway, those are my memories of, that's kind of how I, um, myself and my friends got involved with Over the Edge. And uh, we would occasionally bring in a, a guest of our own. I seem to remember one time we brought in Bruce from Flipper. 
he came and did a show with us. Wow. And, uh, God, who? Oh, we that had. That's so uh, awesome. I think we had uh, Joe Popopie come in one time. Oh, wow. Popopies. And, uh, and anybody, I can't think of anybody else right now, but there was definitely, I, I know those two were definitely. Well, uh, what did those two guys do to mix? Because this made me, how foreign was this or not to them? And how much did they, did they kind of groove with what was going on and mix with it? Or, or they treated it more like, I'm just going to go do a, a single, a singular performance of a thing I do. Uh, Bruce was pretty into it and he was he he kind of took to it and he just started making weird noises and he was having fun with the uh, the various studio effects that you know the the, the air room board had yeah. and I don't I might not have been around I, I might not have been there that night when Joe Popopie showed up I remember the Joe Popopie episode he was basically just himself there was an yeah, open he, mic and he was just he was just interjecting with the yeah, mix he, oh, he's wow. kind of, that's what he would do pretty much I don't know if he played any actual music or did anything like is that is that one on the archive collection yet I don't know but I definitely remember it uh, like as a 16 or 17 year old <laughs> very, very cool I seem to remember Bruce brought a bunch of records and we, we pretty much just went kind of crazy and just got goofy and he talked and you know he bruce has kind of got a i'll be right story. back okay oh i gotta <laughs> hear that one that yeah, is uh i never knew i never knew about that one that would be really really old one and uh so, yeah. yeah and uh so that's yeah that's those are kind of my memories um can't think of anything else offhand but I, well i do remember in 15 Oh man! If we had Aaron on the phone, we could show you. Uh, we could show you the Dawn plaque because she's the current holder of the Dawn plaque we made uh -huh. for Kebu. But then when yeah. Kebu is doing some extensive remodeling and now closed down, we've had to kind of take right. it into custody. I think yeah, maybe stuff, some stuff was going on with Dawn where there were amazing, brilliant shows, and I remember tuning in uh, and hearing shows where it actually sounded like someone trying to do over the edge. You didn't even know how to do over the edge and it was it was very startling and it was kind of a good clue that something something that's was like when richard and i went down there by ourselves yeah yeah oh my well i mean you know the the equipment would get it was tough to trump over the edge is frequently the sound of all of your equipment breaking for our listeners at home dr zom is showing the camera one of the don joyce created cart tapes that were played in the Don Joyce performed <laughs> machines to make the audio collage that was and is over the edge radio. He could sometimes so skillfully play these pre-recorded carts of the weatherman that people at home would think that David was actually there, which always is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That was very good. He did a yeah. great job on that. And I could just kind of relax and just forget the whole thing. What happened to Don's record collection? Um... I've got think, some of it. A little. Yeah, I got some of it. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, let me see. Do I have? Uh, I have this copy of Ruth White's Flowers of Evil. Let's take a oh, look at I it. I have a Ruth White. Album. Oh yeah. Who got? Who got Heaven and Hell? Oh, I have the CD of that. I don't uh, know. Was, where did the he? Ju did he just play a cart, or did he play the actual record? Uh, he had it on a CD. Oh, okay. For the last several years, I. I remember burning him a CD around 2000 that had the um, had the fade uh, into reverb so that he could do the clue a little bit. Oh more yeah, easily. yeah, the little right, right. little teaser, yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. you listen to obviously the earliest over the edges, John was playing this off, playing the record, or he might have had it on reel to reel tape. <laughs> but he also didn't have the little um, 
the little the little structural thing where he would always pause the Vangelis track, play the audio clue that gave you the hint of what tonight's show was going to be about, and then resume the theme. But I was listening just recently to some of the earliest uh, shows on the archive, and and he yeah he didn't do that at first. It took him a while to to realize. Yeah, it to, took him a while to learn how to do the clue. Yep. Here's his copy of Flowers of Evil. Oh, nice. Here's one of her children's records. Like in the 70s, after oh, she man. stopped doing electronic music, she started wow. doing totally creepy records for children. I love, <laughs> I love for creepy. For listeners at home, uh, Wobbly <laughs> is showing the camera his copy of It's a Happy Feeling, a yep. record he picked out of Don <laughs> Joyce, deceased Negative Land members record collection after he became deceased. And I think right next to it, it's Don's copy of White Noises Electric Storm. Oh, oh wow, that that's the yeah, that's the the other cover. Neat. The other cover, right? right. Neato, <laughs> for the listeners at home, he's displaying an alternate. Now I got artwork. you doing it. I know, I can't help it. It's just a thing. It's a meme. Yeah, it's a... I know. This didn't get reissued. If he bought this, this is this has to be like way early on. So I've often yeah. wondered. He he's often said that before meeting Negative Land, Don did a more conventional radio show. What kind of music was he playing? Does anybody remember? The kind of music you'd hear him play on Over the Edge later. Yeah, on? lots yeah. of Quicksilver Messenger Service. Oh wow, <laughs> girl groups. Girl groups. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't remember and the musical hearing. and the musical version of War of the Worlds. But the thing was, Don was doing a show at KLX. Then he and then he moved to uh, KPFA, and he was the show was called Over the Edge, but it was just him playing thematically linked uh, uh, songs in sets. That's what the show was. And Did it, any of you guys listen to the KALX show? Didn't know about it. It was, you know, oh, it was okay. Ian who was listening to that and listening to John's was doing some radio production stuff for KLX, which we have, which is absolutely brilliant and hilarious. And then Ian was the one who was followed Don when followed as a listener when Don uh, moved to KPFA, and he was he heard Negative Land. Ian was the one who made the point of saying, "You got each other to meet these guys in Negative Land." Because something could happen, so I think you could. De I think something could happen with radio as a medium that. that and it sure as hell did. <laughs> yeah, but it's neat. <laughs> neat that all these former members are on the the two albums, True, False, and the World Will Decide, in in really yes, meaningful ways. Very much so. It's very cool. It kind of reminds me of that vintage electronic smell. <laughs> That's a good smell. <laughs> I should mention there's there are, there are we, we won't get into detail yet because we want to surprise people but there is more to come there are more parts there are more working parts to do with these two albums we put out that are going to come out in 2021 <clears throat> and uh the thing i just quoted is going to be on one of them but yeah there's, more, there's a few more things we have a few more uh, how would you describe it without giving it away john uh well these two records are fixed but like all of the tapes across all of them uh, are essentially pieces of live music that can endlessly recombine. And um, wonderful. And the other the other thing is that we worked really hard on the music. Like there aren't that many musical samples on this. Uh, we, um, you know, Negative Land gets called a sampling band, but uh, you know, it's there. The music sounds good without. Let's just put it this way. The music sounds pretty good without all of those voices endlessly distracting and uh, chewing up your cognitive real estate. Oh, very cool. I've got to say something real quick before you go on. 
I'm not a musician. Yes, you are. Yes, I you are. So. You are. Okay, you say so. <laughs> or our pooper record will come out eventually. <laughs> and the pooper is a musical instrument. It very Perfect. much is. As for our listeners, it's a noisemaker. I'll give it that much. <laughs> Don't fight it, David. Yeah. You're a musician. Well, okay. Oh, he'll I find guess. it. <laughs> and I think a scanner is a musical instrument as well. If you pointed at something. <laughs> <laughs> That's original music. Is that what you mean by musician, David? <laughs> well, at least he's trying to play it on a regular instrument. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm really ignorant about a lot of this stuff. And that's it, all because I don't know if I'm autistic, but I've always not been able to really do more than one thing at a time. I get all screwed up if I try to do multiple things. It just doesn't work for me. Multitasking is a myth. Multi I've heard that, but people True. still insist that you got to do that. You got to multitask, or you're no good. Multitasking is just a corporate term for do more, slave boy. Yeah, yes, I suppose it, it is one of the challenges of working with the weatherman in our little in our little collaborative <laughs> collective is that he does indeed only want to do one thing at a time. Like that's exactly right. And you know, only I think have I, his coffee, and that you couldn't do any. Yeah, just you. You have to. He takes addition, it all away. He takes this all. In away. addition, I think I'm an insult to the word autism. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how online David has become? It is. David and understands it, it, the internet. It's funny. You guys were around when Richard was alive, but Richard just kind of sheltered me from it I guess I don't know that's the only way I can describe it because I see most of you came on like in the mid 2000s or yep. 2009 pretty I see that a lot but I had no idea and then after when Richard after Richard passed away I decided let's see what this is all about right and now here I am in my full dumb glory <laughs> Well, it's weird because the internet, is, the internet is all about like things getting taken out of context and people either falling in love or falling into two minute hates based on like a two second clip that represents something good or bad to large masses of people. And the weird thing is, is that you come across as such a such a good person online or just like such a charming innocent after maniac. that meltdown in 2017 i decided that no matter what i'm going to try to be nice to everyone online even after some somebody actually got so mad at me one time they said go fuck yourself right. and i said well oh well i guess you're way smarter than i am i can't compete with that and he just shut up after that. <laughs> well, it's it's the way to handle the internet because it's basically built in road rage. You're always yeah. like posting. And I love watching road rage videos. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them. Boy, that's really a lot yeah. of fun. Well, when you post those road rage clips to internet, <laughs> the internet, it's almost like a built in reminder of what the internet is. Like it's yeah. turning every one of our avatars into these little like like built-in mobile so incidents. yeah and then like you know the internet is just people losing temper or losing temper losing their temper at each other 
uh, viciously based on projection because they aren't actually dealing with each other. So, right. yeah, you understand the internet, David. You do. I think if you, I would say, and I, it's tied in with only being able to do one thing at a time. I think it's all related somehow. I'm thinking about the road rage videos you like to post and people getting angry <laughs> in spite of Trader Joe's, but also yeah. when I think about the recordings you like of angry bees and angry cats and and just noises that go yeah. <laughs> you or you you were posting something that was the sound of of washers dryers and cars kind of breaking down they all have something in common with them i think it also yeah like that, people that and machines thing and i actually started doing that in the 1970s and, <laughs> and yeah I, it's 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 such relatable content david all right. Well, I've said enough. You guys go ahead. <laughs> well, I enjoy what you what you share on Facebook. Well, I think we've established as long as it makes movie. everyone laugh. I don't care how it happens as long as you're happy. Right. Totally. Getting happy <clears throat> watching people being unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys. Um, I'm going to yeah. get going here in a little bit, but uh, yeah, me too. I think, but this, I, uh, yeah, yeah that's fine. I, yeah. I think we've covered a lot of good stuff, and we got some good kind of talk about the uh, the new album and how it relates to the almost new album. And uh, totally. Before uh, some of you you folks are fully gone, I was. Uh, is there any chance we could get each one of you to maybe do a uh, just a little station ID for us for the listeners at home? Yeah, for the listeners at home. Okay. Yeah. This is Mark from Negative Land, and you're listening to KBOO, and we love KBOO. This is Wobbly from Negative Land, and you're listening to KBOO Portland. All right. You want me to try something? If you I would. I don't think I can top that. Oh, I don't know. All right. Boo! You're listening to KBOO Portland. Thank you. That's and that's a legal ID too, by the way. Let me do one more where I say who I am, and then then we'll wrap it okay. up. Okay, sounds good. This is the weatherman from Negative Land, and you are in fact listening to KBOO in Portland. How about that? <laughs> Absolutely perfect. That's wonderful. You're a pro. How does he do that? He just How can do that. do that. He gets into a character or something. Why he makes the big <laughs> No, it's not a character. That's who he that's I know. I was gonna mention earlier that Taylor Jessen is the uh, who is also the archivist for the Firesign Theater. He's the person who we we shipped a ton of Don's uh, uh, analog tapes to after Don died, and yeah. Taylor spent about a year lovingly carefully uh, transferring well, he's still items. working on it he got some more just when he visited this year he took oh. a few more but it's it's it is a big chunk of what we were then able to use as as we created true false and the world will decide we had that to dip into all these little bits yeah those those recordings 2014 and early 2015 no it was 2015 the final recordings gave us yesterday hates today yeah and something that might happen i didn't know i was dead those were remember like the, the i just looked batch. that stuff up and played them for you and you decided you liked it and the rest is history yeah yeah those were those were some of the final recordings so and there's quite a bit more you guys haven't heard yet there's just oh, well. all kinds of things yeah, there's some great ones. Oh my God, 
Cool. <laughs> well, thank you. Great to see you, Rich. Really, yeah. really love to see you, Toby. Thanks Th for uh, making the technology work. I know yeah. you said it. Well, thank you so Backwards, much, guys. Upside down, any way you want. It's wonderful seeing everybody. Yeah, nice okay. Y'all, good hanging out. Yeah. Thanks, right. John. Thank Thanks, you. David. Thanks, Mark. You're see welcome. you later.